Hi, I'm Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute. This is the McIver Newsmakers Podcast, and we are joined today by Congressman Glenn Grothman, and he's going to catch us up on some of the uh, some of the going ons in our nation's capital. Uh, Congressman, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, I'm glad to step out of my schedule and update uh, your listeners in Wisconsin as far as the goings on here in Washington. Thank you. And I mean, obviously, there's a there is a lot to talk about. So why don't we just jump right in and um, talk about the impeachment trial and how things uh, uh, ended up there and kind of the uh, what kind of aftershocks we're, we're seeing in Washington right now? Well, it shows the extremism that's going on here in the Capitol. And I'll point out on a day to day basis, people get along uh, personally. You know, we'll talk about how your basketball team was doing over the weekend or what the weather was like back home. But really, this is impeachment without a crime. Uh, just pure partisanship. We know a significant number of Democrats have been asking for impeachment for two years now. As a matter of fact, some of them were asking for impeachment before President Trump was sworn in. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of a partisanship we've almost never seen like in our country before. And we have to ask ourselves, why is it? Why is Donald Trump so hated? What policies is he doing that frustrates the average Democrat legislator? And I think the big one is immigration. I think uh, if Donald Trump were not here, we'd probably have another four or five million people across the border. And we'd probably have, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not over a million new citizens in our country. And it would have permanently changed the United States. So I think that's what drives the Democrats to this hatred for Donald Trump. He's never, he hasn't done that great a job on immigration, but the fact that he is the only one preventing, say, 100,000 people a month from coming here, I think is what really is, is driving this spectacle. Now, what comes next? Uh, like, how are things in the House of Representatives now that the impeachment is in the rearview mirror? Well, we'll see on the floor today. I think they'll begin to take up bills right away, more left-wing bills for their base, and quite frankly, bills uh, designed to trap the Republicans. We had a variety of bills that sound good on their face, but if you look at the bills, they're not as good. I think they plan on using the fact that Republicans vote against these bills um, in television commercials uh, next uh, next November. And I think that's what we have to look out for. There's a bill we're going to be talking about later on this show that is just a kind of a payoff to not ending the thing, the average union member, but the extreme union member. But we're actually passing a lot of bills. Some are irrelevant bills and some are nasty bills that will go nowhere in the Senate. But it, all, all with the uh, with the intention of with the eyes on uh, everyone's eyes are on, on November as they uh, as they debate and pass these things then. Correct. I, I think that's what's going on. Um, I mean, Nancy Pelosi is not a dumb woman. I think she kind of lost her temper last week. But I think she is being very crafty in setting up incumbent Republicans for a very difficult November. Now, uh, speaking of uh, Nancy Pelosi's moment last week, um, President Trump's uh, State of the Union address uh, got a lot of people talking. What was what were your, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, how it was actually being there and uh, what your thoughts are. First of all, President Trump is galvanizing Republicans. Normally, for a State of the Union address, people begin to wander in five or six o'clock, maybe three to four hours before the address, and it really doesn't get crowded until maybe a half hour to 45 minutes before. This year, Billy Long, congressman from Missouri, got there 7.30 in the morning. 
uh, to, great, to get a great seat. So you are seeing much more excitement and acceptance of Donald Trump among the average Republican congressman. I think it was a great speech. I think it was the best speech he's given. I think he recounted all the great things he has done, the things he's going to do, and spent a little bit of time pointing out the horrific things that could happen if he doesn't get reelected. And, you know, in particular, he pointed out um, over, uh, I believe over 100 Democrats want free health care for all legal immigrants, and that would bankrupt the country and be a further magnet for anybody to come here. But that's the type of thing you're going to find out could become law if Donald Trump doesn't uh, doesn't get reelected. And it's kind of a scary thought. I mean, the end of the United States as we know it, but particularly on immigration, the Democrats, you know, we don't want to kick out even the hardened, we don't want to kick out the felons. Uh, we want sanctuary cities so people can come here and know they're not going to be arrested. That sort of thing um, is a scary thing. And I think Donald Trump, by pointing out over 100, well over 100 of those Democrats in the room want free health care for illegal immigrants. It shows how close we are to losing this country. It seems like he's really chasing them out and into the open on these issues, too. Like the more he hammers them on this stuff, the uh, the, the more the, the more they come on, the ra- more radical policies they, they unveil. And you're, we're kind of seeing that with the uh, Democrat primaries. Well, the Democrat Party has changed a lot from 10 years ago. It really has become radicalized. Uh, no immigration laws being one example. Obviously, they want uh, the government to take over the entire health care system. But there are other things as well. We're going to talk about a labor bill in a second. I mean, they, they want to take back over. They want, in, in general, federal control of elections. I mean, they want to get rid of photo ID, a nice bill we had in Wisconsin. They've all voted that way. Uh, but, you know, everywhere you look, uh, it is becoming a radicalized party. It's not the party of, of old-fashioned John Kennedy sort of Democrats. Uh, it's kind of scary if they'd ever get control again. Yeah, and I mean, they're, you know, it's it's interesting too, just, um, you know, the t- speaking of u- unity and just, you know, we're seeing uh, how Republican lawmakers in the House and the Senate, I mean, I don't, I don't think we've ever seen uh, this kind of unity before that, that, that we kind of are seeing now after the impeachment trial. And, you know, Democrats have always been, you know, kind of unified in that too, that no matter whatever the party line is, they're lockstep behind. Well, right. Uh, and there have been a lot of Republicans who I think have been slow to embrace Donald Trump, maybe jealous of Donald Trump. But I think the outlandish behavior of Democrat leadership is something that even almost all of these never-Trump Republicans have felt they have to get behind him. Maybe their heart isn't still with them. Maybe they're just afraid of what their constituents think. But uh, I think we're seeing a little more unity than we have in the past, which is a good thing. Now, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of the, the whole impeachment, um, talking, uh, you know, we've Republicans are unified uh, behind the president. I, I've picked up on a couple of different, you know, takes on, you know, on the whole issue of the, uh, the, the phone call with the Ukraine. Um, it seems like, you know, there's a good number of people out there who would like to know more about that whole Biden situation. And are wondering, Absolutely. you know, yeah. So I mean, is I mean, hey, you know, what what he uncovered there was a real serious crime that really seems to get being pushed off as like a side issue. But there's a lot of people that like to see that directly handled. Right. I, I think one of the frustrating things for Donald Trump is if you had a Republican politician running for president and do what Joe Biden did in the in the Ukraine, their career would be over. 
And of course, it's not just his son who's made so much money off of Joe Biden's career. His brother's made a lot of money too. I think there's another relative, his sister or something. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like, he's kind of like the worst of a Chicago alderman. And the guy right now is still a favorite, really. I don't think he's going to get there, but the favorite to represent the Democrat Party in November. And uh, obviously, a Republican would have been shot down a long time for this behavior. But it would be nice if at least one committee in the Senate would have a look-see at, at Joe Biden and make sure the public is aware what they're getting if they vote for this man. Yeah, because, I mean, one of the things that I think the president's really going to be able to make hay on is, you know, Americans are seeing two two justice systems here. We're seeing one for people like Joe Biden and uh, Hillary Clinton, who apparently got, you know, the FBI couldn't find anything wrong with her putting classified information on a personal computer. And then there's a system of justice for everyone else. So, Well, the real scary thing is the FBI. I mean, you know, it appears like their thumb is on the scale and they're no longer an impartial uh, um law enforcement agency they're an agency out there designed to try to get the republicans and cover up uh for people like joe biden and hillary clinton and the fact that it can be politicized is something that should scare all americans if we get a different president who's going to take advantage of that now as these primaries play out i mean iowa has just been you know has been a disaster we're moving into new hampshire i mean there, there's a lot of you know, it's a very fluid situation, but, you know, what's your take on uh, where things are at right now? I mean, obviously, you know, within 24, within 48 hours, we're going to, we're going to have a little bit more information, but what, uh, with New Hampshire in the books, but what do you think uh, about what's been happening so far? I can't help but think the Democrats are going to find somebody else because these, these four or five are just so bad. Uh, you know, it's like taking four or five political science professors from some community college who are just so out of touch. And when you hear Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Warren is saying she's going to run by her future secretary of education by a nine-year-old little boy who dresses as a girl. Uh, I, I mean, you, you just got to wonder, uh, uh, Buttigieg here, his father, uh, uh, respecter, a founder of the American Gromsky Society, uh, a communist again, Joe Biden, you know, Mr. Gaff Machine, who recently promised he wanted another another two million poor people in the country. Uh, and of course, with our generous welfare system, frequently, <laughs> that's where they wind up. I mean, wherever you look, uh, you got a guy who won't even say he's a Democrat because that would be too conservative for him running as a socialist. Yeah. I, I, I still think they're going to find somebody else here and we're not going to get this crew. Okay, so we'll look forward to uh, the dark horse candidate emerging. It was just scary for Republicans yeah. because all the, say, the big five or whatever you'd call it, uh, they to a certain extent have been exposed in this primary process as to, as to exactly what they are. And uh, we'll have to see because a, a dark horse candidate wouldn't get that exposure. I think Bloomberg's been kind of clever that the way he's put out his campaign he doesn't have to participate in these debates in which the Democrats show what they're really about. Yeah, he's just buying commercials uh, throughout uh, on every radio right, station right, in the right, country. Right, right. right, he said a lot of dumb things, yeah. but not as much as the ones that participate in these debates uh, where you where they really show what they're about. All right, uh, Congressman, let's talk real quick about some of these um, these labor-related issues. Um, you um, 
you've been uh, talking, uh, you, you, you told me about the PRO Act from last week, where I, I don't think a lot of people know about this, but I mean, it is, no. it's a troubling it, uh, concept. It's, it's a bill that I believe every Democrat in the House of Representatives voted for. Now, we know this bill is not going to become law because Donald Trump would veto it and the Senate would not take it up. But depending on what happens in the election, it could become law. Um, first of all, you can have labor elections with uh, open ballots. So you don't need, you know, uh, people will see how you're voting, whether you want a union or not want a union, uh, which is kind of scary. The um, business, if you want to unionize, will have to give over not just your email and your phone number, but your address. So if you if they try to unionize your place of business, you may come home at night and have a couple people standing there, you know, saying, you know, I'd like to talk to you about how you're going to vote in this upcoming union election. Uh, a scary situation, an extreme situation, and something that I think the business community has to be a little more worried about. You know, right now Donald Trump's been president for three years, and he's kind of the goalie and can prevent this sort of thing becoming law. But uh, the Democrats voted on this bill last week in the House of Representatives. Every one of them voted for it. And it's, uh, it's something that we should be taking very seriously. And typical, by the way, of what's going to happen if the Democrats take control. So if you work for a company that is already, have a, already has a union, the company has to, give all your, has to give your address, your phone number, your email to that, to that union, um, What's uh, is that different if like uh, you you get hired by a non-union company where there's a union that wants to go in or? Well, this is what it would apply to if a union wants to go in. Okay. And you can have a much quicker election, an election within eleven days. You know, you're working yeah. for a company, you're happy. All of a sudden, the union sa a union says we'd like to unionize this company, and the company has to turn over your address. And I think that's just a scary thing, particularly for a party that claims to be the party of women. My goodness, you, you, know, you want to come home at night and have some people there just saying, oh, we just want to spend some time talking with you about this union election. I mean, uh, just, just appalling. Yeah, I mean, for anyone that's concerned about personal privacy, I mean, the idea that, you know, yeah, that you're, that you're that all of a sudden you're, you could be getting phone calls in the middle of the night, people just showing up right. at your door. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and we've seen here in Wisconsin, we put out a story last week about union membership. I mean, it's it's here in wisconsin it's dropped 40 over uh 43 between 2009 and 2019 so you know more people are voting you know voting with their feet on these issues well i think uh, people want to turn it around and obviously if you do not have a, a, a secret ballot uh obviously that's a concern but this is the, the democrat party obviously not the party of privacy and like i said to, to turn over your address i just think is appalling so i mean we've seen a huge decline in union membership over the past 10 years, nationwide even. Um, they've got less money than they did before, but what kind of influence are they, do they still, you know, push on Congress? Oh, well, it's, it's a huge amount of influence because there's still uh, uh, so many people who are members, and if they, you know, set up appointments to meet people, obviously uh, a lot of politicians are just predisposed to try to make everybody happy who comes in the office. And in that regard, uh, there still is a lot of influence out there. And obviously, even with the, the declining uh, uh, roles, they're still going to be contributing a lot of money to the campaign. So, uh, still potentially very powerful. What other uh, what other uh, big hot button issues are you keeping an eye on right now in uh, in the House? Well, um, like I said, uh, there's an election law that passed around here, getting rid of Wisconsin's photo ID. 
I think that's scary. Um, when you talk about federal control of elections, you look what's happening in California, where we lost seven seats last time. Uh, Republicans felt they went almost in a landslide, 54, 55%, uh, 54% anyway. And after the election, they'd harvest these ballots. Uh, more, you know, people wind up getting their ballots collected after the election, and you wind up losing seven seats. So the idea of federal control of elections is a scary thing. I think Donald Trump pointed out, and I don't know if this bill is going to make it to the floor of this session or not, uh, the obsession uh, the Democrats have with uh, letting everybody in this country and now offering free health care to everybody. I think that's something I would talk about my neighbors if they think about voting against Donald Trump and realize as long as Donald Trump is president, we are not going to be giving free health care to all illegals. I know being on the uh, Mexican border three times last year, one of the things that really frustrates the Border Patrol is that right now we give illegal immigrants better health care than the average American. And of course, so many Americans right now, including myself, uh, have health care plans with a deductible in there. Um, and kind of makes you hesitate, you know, should I go to the doctor, da 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 da. But for the illegals down at the southern border, boom, anything, anything wrong happens. We don't want to be accused of not taking care of our illegal immigrants, and boom, off to the hospital they go. So that's something else we really have to look out for. Well, then you got yeah. So the, the candidates like Elizabeth Warren, their solution is give that to, that Cadillac care to everyone at <laughs> twenty right, trillion dollars. Right, 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 uh, right. And it, you know, our country could change so much. I'm very worried because the economy is good, and even though you'd think that should reward uh, President Trump and the people in power, uh, your listeners have to remember Scott Walker had a great economy. He lost. And uh, there's certainly precedent around the world for countries fundamentally changing, becoming socialist-like, even though the local economy is good. And that happened in Chile. Uh, obviously, Cuba was, I believe, the wealthiest country in Latin America before Fidel Castro took over. That didn't prevent the people from letting him take over. So uh, a good economy sometimes lulls people to sleep, and they wind up getting uh, trapped with these radical totalitarian sort of ideas. Yeah, and we're always one election away from losing all we have in America. Oh yeah, especially these days. And uh, I like to I like to point out to people, uh, on election day, I, a lot of times I'll go down to Racine to cover the election uh, result, the, the elections there. And uh, yeah, you, you wanna rest on your laurels on the economy. I saw a lot of people filing out of all those warehouses that, that Scott Walker helped bring to Racine. Uh, filing into the polling place to vote for Tony Evers. So, um, I, I mean, I, I'm just saying, I do sense a degree of overconfidence among the pro-Trump group, and that's because they hang around with other pro-Trump people. But you just have to ask yourself what happened two years ago and uh, why won't it happen again? I mean, the young people are to a certain extent being educated by very, very left-wing college professors and high school teachers i mean you would figure in a fair world with the state about evenly divided between republican democrat you would hope that about half of the college professors in this state would have voted for donald trump last time around i'd be surprised if it was 10 percent. yeah yeah that seems to be the way things and, are going and, and in certain departments and certain universities probably even well under five percent so I uh, can't prove that, but you hear all sorts of anecdotal evidence, and uh, these are the people who are educating the young. And 
we'd better do something about it soon. Yeah, we, we, we write about that plenty here at the MacGyver Institute. So, um, Congressman, th- I, I know you're really busy, so thank you very much for taking the time to uh, be with us uh, be with us this morning on the MacGyver Newsmakers podcast. Well, glad to be on the show and call back anytime. Sounds great. Uh, thank you again. And for the MacGyver uh, Institute, I'm Bill Osmolsky, and this has been the MacGyver Newsmakers podcast.